to reveal the princess of true nobility, place the P twenty... Twenty... Twenty what? The tapestry is torn. You mean my treasure map is all about girls? No, marrying girls. Ugh. Oh, dear. Alright, so we're going to get right into it here. This is part two of our recap of The Princess and the Pea, where last we left off. Um, people still don't know or suspect that Daria is the true princess. Uh, Sebastian still hasn't figured out the secret of the pea, and Heath had just made plans with Sebastian to disinherit Hildegard. So with that, let's get back into The Princess and the Pea. But so Heath writes down, writes this down and tells Sebastian to deliver this message to Rollo. But on the way, Sebastian is intercepted by Plague. And Plague knocks Sebastian into the woods where coincidentally, Sebastian crashes through the stained glass window of the old castle and he's knocked unconscious. So he's just like, coincidentally, in over over the, the, the castle ruins that no one has yeah. ever found before. And yeah. It's fine. <laughs> and yeah, there's uh, there's a quick scene with Rollo. So again, he's just wandering the woods, complaining about the princesses. He calls them whiny women. <laughs> yeah, Rollo, come on. All these painted, powdered, pampered, pedigreed princesses. Why do we call them noble? Take them out of their fancy clothes and put them on, say, a pig farm. And what would you get? Exactly. Whiny women. I don't need Sebastian's pee to see where I'm barking up the wrong tree. And he, he has this little, he has this, like, little, like, super deep speech where he, he's talking about royalty, nobility, all glitter and gold on the outside, but inside, we're hollow. Yeah, the, yeah, this was where the, the we're all hollow thing. Yeah. It's like, man. Yeah, and he, for effect, he takes, like, a branch and he snaps it. Which is, like, I appreciate that they're giving him, like, a business to do with his hands so that it's not just him saying this. Like, they're trying to do, like, a metaphor kind of thing. Yeah. But it just comes across as, like, just kind of, like, like, dude, tone it down. It's melodramatic. Yeah, a little much. But this basically, he he resolves at this point that he wants to see Daria again, whether or not she's a peasant. Yeah, he's like that one kind, the one kind woman I ever met. Yeah, I'm gonna go back and see her. <laughs> there's there's like probably a lot of nice women out there, Rolo. Like I'm sorry that yeah, you've had so many bad experiences with princesses, but you don't have to marry the first peasant woman that you find. <laughs> Who was nice to you and nice to her pigs. Yeah. Mostly. But I mean. <laughs> yeah, mostly nice to the pigs. Yeah. But so then we cut to Laird. So Plague arrives and gives Laird the note. Uh, which details about how he's planned to disinherit Hildegard. Laird decides to whip up a mob. Claiming Daria is a witch. Who is causing a drought in their kingdom. Yeah, like, just, you know, 
as ruler of pig kingdom, I guess he can whip up a mob if he feels like it. Yeah. And the the proof that he gives for her for for her causing the drought is that she's different. She talks to animals. Yeah, she's she's weird. Yeah. It's <laughs> there's there's so much in this like this brief little bit that you have to kind of unpack too. So like first off, Heath kind of fucked himself over because instead of just telling Sebastian, the talking crow who can pass on messages just fine, this whole plan about Rollo disinheriting Hildegard. Yeah. He writes it down specifically so that Laird's hawk, who can't talk, can intercept the note and bring it back to Laird. Then... So Heath doesn't know who Daria is, and neither does Sebastian. They just know that there's a peasant girl that Rolo likes. Laird mm-hmm. somehow correctly deduces that Rolo, the peasant girl that Rolo likes, is the is Heath's actual daughter. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming in like Rolo must have told. Like, somehow the name must have gotten through at some point that wasn't shown on camera, but, like, maybe the name must have been in the note. They, when Sebastian is talking to Heath, he doesn't mention Daria by name. So, it uh, if that was the intention, they, they kind of missed that part. Yeah. Like, I don't want to cinema sins. Yeah. Like poke holes and like well he didn't know the name but it is sort of like you kind of sit there and you're like wait hold on yeah how did he i think this is a genuine grievance because there at this point there really isn't anything connecting rollo to daria at least not in you know just rollo and a peasant girl but he well maybe maybe at some point he told uh Oh no, because I guess when when Sebastian's talking to Heath, yeah, he just says the peasant girl. He because I was like maybe if he told Sebastian, and then at some point Sebastian went home and was like, "Hey Heath, there's a peasant girl," but no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole conversation. It, he's it. She's just referred to as the peasant girl. Maybe she's literally the only peasant girl in Pig Kingdom who's nice. <laughs> <laughs> she's the only one there. I, you know, I mean, maybe too. Maybe Laird was just like, <laughs> you know what? I've waited eighteen years. I might as well just kill her. Like, it, it, yeah, because <laughs> it, it, it is said early on in the film, like Daria's. So the the pig farmers that she lives with, they mention specifically that they're getting paid to take care of Daria. So yeah, presumably Laird is Laird knows exactly who she is, who she's living with. And there are regular payments to her step-parents. So yeah, I don't know. Again, maybe he's just hedging his bets. Like, oh, it's probably... It might be his daughter, so I might as well just color her a witch. Just get her out of the way, just in case. And if it happens... Yeah, it's like, better safe than sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, so Laird whips up this mob. Um, the mob descends on Daria with birdied torches... Yeah, they're like, they're going to murder her. It's it's a little messed up. They're ready to go. And it's, they, they might, they had those torches already lit before, before (laughs) they were ready. Yeah, they were like, oh, I feel it in the air tonight. 
There is going to be a witch burden. <laughs> There's going to be a mob. Yeah. We got to be ready. But so Daria flees into the forest. She runs into her castle and the mob starts lighting it on fire. Which kind of confused me because it is surrounded by forest, but the building is made of stone. Yeah. <laughs> as far as I can tell. <laughs> As far as we know, I guess there was just so much overgrown vegetation, maybe? I don't I know. Guess. Uh, you know, it's a it's a stone castle in the middle of a bunch of standing water. Yeah. But, you know, it could burn down. It's fine. And I, I should mention, specifically, they start, they start throwing the burning torches because Balthazar the bear is guarding the entrance. So they can't just walk in. But it does seem like a kind of ineffective way to try and burn a witch is just to, like, huck torches in their general direction. <laughs> Maybe one will hit her and, like, catch her dress on fire. Yeah. And I guess they're just like, I don't know. It's, it's late. They probably all just want to get home to their their huts. and they, they were really excited for this mob and had their torches ready. But now they've been running through the forest. Yeah. It's late and they're tired. Yeah. And they just like, uh, you know what? Can we just do this tomorrow? <laughs> Why why don't we have the why don't we have the the mob in the daytime when it's easier to see? Oh, it's because you have to have it at night because then the the torches are more dramatic. Yeah, that's like that's the conversation happening between two of the peasants. He's <laughs> like, ah, dramatic nothing. I can't see shit. I have to I have to get up in the morning to feed my pigs. <laughs> I gotta feed my pigs too. We're in the pig kingdom. Damn it. That's, we all got pigs to feed in the morning. <laughs> <sighs> but d- just uh, so just as all this burning is happening, Rollo arrives outside the castle. When Laird tells him that Daria is inside, Rollo rushes into the castle to try and help her. Mm-hmm. Which is completely unnecessary because Daria, Balthazar ends up helping Daria escape. She she ends up riding him like a horse. She rides on the bear out of there, which is pretty cool, yeah, actually. pretty sweet. But it's just kind of great because Rolo risks his life for nothing. Unknown <laughs> to him. He, he tried, yeah. you know. He did his best. Yeah. So while this is happening, Sebastian, after being comatose for a couple of hours... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He, Poor Sebastian got knocked through that window and just passed out yeah. for like a day. Yeah, it was day t- it was daylight when he got knocked in there, yeah. and it's nighttime now. But he Poor bird <laughs> got owned so hard. He wakes up and he sees the stained glass and finds the full prophecy for the secret of the pea that uh, a true princess will be unable to sleep on the pea even if it's buried twenty mattresses deep because a truly noble heart is so sensitive to people's needs and their heartaches that I guess this pea represents that somehow. Yeah, it's it's they're so their their heart is so full of love and sensitivity that they are their whole body is just so sensitive. Yeah, that they cannot sleep upon a pea. They're, they're I don't know how this this girl has been walking around on dirt roads. Yeah, barefoot, basically. Barefoot. <laughs> well, and there's but. there's like a little, a quick moment early on in the film where she's going to fall asleep in that chicken coop. And she she goes, Ugh, and she like reaches and she pulls a <laughs> feather that she was laying on that was somehow different than all the other feathers. Yeah, it was like, I was like, why'd she pull out, why'd she pull out a feather from the pile of feathers? Yeah. 
this this feather displeased me somehow. But it, I guess like it's kind of it's kind of a cute little bit of foreshadowing. I guess they tried. So Sebastian sees this the, this message and he declares that it's in the princess, not the pea. And he's he's so giddy with this discovery of the secret of the pea that he doesn't notice the falling stained glass, and so he gets smashed on his head. And oh yeah, yeah. I was like, that bird is dead. Yeah, there's a few moments <laughs> in this where you somebody gets smashed in the head with something, and you think, oh Jesus, they should be dead, but nope, they're fine. No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. He's a very resilient old bird. Yeah. Rolo ends up arriving just in time to rescue him from the flames, and they escape the burning castle. Um, so once outside, Rolo very dramatically collapses into Laird's arms, whispering yeah. Daria's name. Uh, I, I laugh so goddamn hard during all of Rolo's scenes because he, he only really, like, is, he screams Daria's name. He's just- Yeah, he, he is out there. He's like, he is uh, so close to the camera when mm-hmm. he screams it. Yeah. Daria! 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 Just every scene, that's just what he's doing. And it's so funny to me that by the time he gets outside and he collapses into Laird's arms and he whispers it one last time, I'm laughing my ass off. (laughs) He needed to get one last Daria in there. Daria! And he just... Daria! Yeah. Laird uh, ends up lying to the crowd, and he says that Rollo has se- just said that he wanted to marry Hildegard. Yeah, like, like that's so... It's like, yes, definitely, that's what he said as he collapsed. Yeah. Uh, Hildegard. Yeah, he, Hildegard. I s- After this dude's been screaming Daria yeah. for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Peasants are gonna go against their pig king, I guess. I guess, you know, <laughs> whatever the pig king says. Yeah. But so Rollo wakes up in Heath's castle. He's being nursed back to health by Hildegard, who, according to Heath, in the time that Rollo has been unconscious, has become everything I wanted her to be, just like her mother. Which I assumed was like, because Hildegard was now in on the plot. Yeah. Um, she was doing on purpose, trying to, to behave more like ladylike and kind exactly i think i imagine that especially because in the however long rollo has been unconscious laird has probably told helsa and hildegard about the peasant thing and and i think because sebastian had told heath that he liked the peasant girl because she was like so kind and blah 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 so i guess that message got passed along through the note to Laird and then Laird to Hildegard. And he was just like, hey, if you want any chance of Rolo marrying you, suck it up and be nice for a few days and get that ring on your finger. And so, yeah. and so I get, she's just following. And don't get disowned. Don't yeah. get disinherited. Yeah. And it's like, and Heath is happy now. He's just like, oh, never mind. I guess she's fine now. I was ready to just really turned around in the past like three days or whatever. Yeah, he was he was ready to disinherit who he thinks is his own daughter, and now it's like oh she was nice for a little bit. Never mind. This is fine. Yeah. But so, Laird is there, 
and he tells Rolo that Daria, he lies and says that Daria is dead. Um, yeah. And he also says, he also tells Rolo that Rolo told him he wanted to marry Hildegard. Which is a weird... Yeah, he's like, you you told me this. Like, that's what you said as you collapsed. Like, I, I want to marry Hildegard. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd, you'd think Rolo would dispute this, but he just kind of like... He... He's like... Oh, I guess I did say so, that, huh? Uh, okay. You have no reason to lie. <laughs> yeah, oh. To curse not you, shitty person. <laughs> You've always been so, like, kind and upstanding, and, and never have I ever known you to be a liar and yeah. a terrible man. There there was, like, a brief moment when, so when Laird and Rolo, just after Hildegard had chased Rolo into the town square, and Laird and Rolo have the moment where Laird is pretending to have changed, and Rolo, like, I guess Rolo kind of believes it, so I don't know, I guess... I guess because of that interaction, Rolo? He's been trying to establish that he's like, no, I'm reformed and nice now. Yeah. My time in the pig kingdom has changed me for the better, so I guess Rolo's giving him the benefit of the doubt. I guess. Meanwhile, Sebastian is still concussed, I guess, and he's just kind of babbling to himself about how it's it's in the princess, not the pea. Nobody- Which is just a weird phrase (laughs) to- just be completely muttering to yourself. Yeah, so like, no no wonder everybody thinks he's insane. He's just kind of in the corner and people are just like, yep, that's Sebastian. That's Sebastian. He's lost his marbles. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the forest, Daria decides that there's no place for me. And she, for the first time in her life, seems to stand up for herself. And she... Ditch decides to ditch her shitty step parents and she wanders off wherever. Yeah, she's just like, you guys will. Because her step parents also got driven into the castle because they was like, your whole family's evil. You were, you were harboring the witch. Yeah. So the horrible step parents are also in, like, with her nearby in this ruined castle now. And they're like, bring us our breakfast. And she's like, nah, bye. Yeah. No, you'll have to fend for yourself now. And and yeah, and they yell at her basically like, ah, nobody's going to be nice to you. Be shitty is the way to be. You don't know how to take. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's like, wow. Like, all right. But so Daria wanders off. Again, we cut back to Rolo, who, at this point, he's pretending to still be injured because Hildegard has said that she wants to marry him the instant he feels better. So he's trying to stall things. Um, yeah, as soon as soon as you can get out of bed, we're getting married. Yeah. It's like, ooh, okay. Yeah, no consulting with Rolo's advisors or anything, I guess. No. We we don't even know if Rolo has living parents at this point because he just kind of exists on his own. Well, you is there is there a thing for like how what like because the crown prince is just it's the the prince that's going to inherit right yeah. or is that like I think so that makes I, I believe or that's is he what an it orphan from well they say that he's the crown prince in his introduction when when he's a little uh, baby prince in the beginning. But they don't ever mention anything about parents or 
anything. the The only thing that we get is that he he tells Heath about how his advisors have been telling him to marry yeah. for political reasons. So, so I'm I'm assuming this this dude has no parents. Possibly, yeah. It's never outright stated, so we can assume maybe, or at least they're. It's one of those things that it's like, does he not have parents, or were they just like, we can't fit another couple of people into this story? Yeah, that's, you know, that could have just been for for streamlining, which, you know, fair, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, sometimes you just got to streamline your story a little bit. Yeah, exactly. But Rolo, he's he's trying to stall, be, I think, partially because not only does he just not want to marry Hildegard, but he also is, I think, trying to wait for Sebastian to wake up and get his counsel because Rolo doesn't know if he should just marry Hildegard or not thinking that, you know, Dari is dead, maybe he should just do it. Um, and this leads into the song, the reprise of My Kingdom of the Heart. Once there was a light here, now it's gone forever. How blind was I to say goodbye to one so warm and pure. She was all I lived for. I had told her What's left if for only me? I could hold her in these lonely arms once more. I would, I would give my life. And this song, I kind of like this song actually. It's this distant duet between him and Daria where he's singing about how he regrets not telling her that he loved her and that he feels like he missed his chance. And meanwhile, she's just kind of singing in general about how she misses him. I feel like this maybe didn't give, like, make enough of an impression on me. No? You're, you're, you're having no. trouble remembering it? Yeah, and I didn't watch this that long ago. Yeah. I watched it a couple hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> and this song just sort of isn't in my brain right now. There, Which is weird. Yeah. So maybe it just didn't hit me. I was too distracted by other things. I guess I don't know. But I mean, that's the Kingdom of the Heart song is nice. Yeah. So I'm sure this this reprisal was also quite nice. I I like this one because it feels like it has some actual emotional weight to it. Mm -hmm. Like the other songs up to this point, even like Kingdom of the Heart, like the first one. Like, it, it did kind of have a message, but it was mostly it was Daria singing. That one was Daria singing about how she wants the world to be. And this one, it's these two people. One thinks the other is dead, and he's talking about his longing for her and how he feels like he missed out. And and meanwhile, Daria's like, off in the woods, and I think just in general, she's feeling like the world is against her. So, it mm -hmm. like, it, there's, like, something to this song that I don't think they really... They... they, they there again there was just more emotional weight to this it wasn't just a song it was them actually properly conveying the feelings of these two characters through song dang i wish i remembered more of it <laughs> <laughs> i wish this one had stuck in my brain more that's so i feel <laughs> hmm maybe that's a bad I'll have to go sign. back and rewatch it maybe that's a bad sign though maybe it, it is a bad sign I don't know. Maybe I've just like I've I've just watched this movie too many times. I'm just I have Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. You know what? I'll have to rewatch it. <laughs> well, let me I know. Really, what just you appreciate that scene. Yeah. 
But so while Rollo is up singing, Hildegard catches him and decrees that now you're out of bed, the wedding is on. So when, by that, she means this wedding's happening immediately. Then get downstairs in your nicest suit. We're getting married right now. Yeah, your nicest suit. Oh, I guess that just means the outfit that you're currently wearing. Because, spoilers, Rolo doesn't change his goddamn outfit for his own no. wedding. No. Why would he? No. He doesn't want to do the wedding. Well, he's not going to put any effort no. into it. <laughs> so we, we cut back to Daria, who for some reason wanders into the frickin' village that just chased her out with pitched, like, like t- torches. I assumed it was a different village. I thought, like, this this is not the pig kingdom anymore. This is the kingdom kingdom. Oh, maybe. This is, like, where, where uh, uh, like, Heath and Hildegard live. The non-pig kingdom. Yeah, I guess. The- I assumed it was the same village because we've only ever seen the one, but maybe it is. Maybe it's a different one. Yeah. Because they- Oh, no. I Yeah, because I, I think they show her- before, when she is singing the song that I don't remember very well, <laughs> she, like, goes past that village and is like, there's nothing for me here, yeah. and just keeps going. Well, they... So I think she's in a different village, and they're all just mean to her because she's wandering around barefoot and dirty yeah. and tired and surrounded by pigs. Maybe. I thought, yeah, I'll have to... <laughs> well, now I'll have to rewatch that scene because I thought that they had mentioned... I thought that they had specifically spurned her because it's like, oh, it's the pig girl. Hey. But the, it was just because she was a pig girl because she was uh, just literally walking around with a bunch of pigs. Uh, maybe. <laughs> but so while this is happening, Daria is monologuing about how no one cares. Maybe my shitty step parent was right. I have to look out for me. But then she sees somebody fall in the street and she decides that she's going to help them because in spite of everything that's happened, she still wants to be a good person. Is that if only I could find a place to sleep. No one cares. Maybe Gerda was right. I have to look out for me. But so it turns out that this was a good move by Daria because the lady that she helps is named Sasha and she is a servant at Heath's castle. She was actually the the lady in the beginning we see who was maybe like the quasi nanny to Hildegard. Yeah, she was just like she's just like one of the one of the women who works at the castle. Yeah. But Daria helps her back to the castle where we learn that the wedding is about to take place between Rollo and Hildegard. Sebastian has finally regained his wits, saying that he knows the secret of the pea, and, and he places the mattress beneath Hildegard's uh, 20 mattresses, because I guess for some reason... Oh, places the pea? Oh yeah, places, yes, the pea, sorry. <laughs> places another mattress under there. He gets it confused. He's still a little, like, shaken up from the, the bonk on the head. The secret was that the, the pea... It was the letter P, and it stood for another Pumatris. Yeah, put another <laughs> Pumatris underneath the bed. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, for some reason, not only 
did Daria help Sasha back to the castle? But they specifically went to Hildegard's room that Sebastian's now in. It's a little confusing. But yeah, Sasha is explaining to Sebastian about the the wedding. Well, Daria, yeah, she's like, "Good job figuring it out. It's too late. Yeah, the wedding is in five minutes. Yeah, literally, she says five minutes." And while this is going on, Daria in the background, she she asks her permission to go sleep on Hildegard's bed, and then she dramatically climbs the ladder. Um, she lays on the bed, and there's this dramatic pause, where we're like waiting to see, oh, what's happening, oh. and then we get this 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 exciting moment of watching a woman trying to fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> She just kind of starts tossing and turning yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So Daria is, of course, unable to fall asleep because there's a pee under the mattress. She complains that, you know, oh, there seems to be something under the mattress. I'm, I'm so sorry to be so picky. I, yeah. I'm, oh, it was, I'm so sorry to be so sensitive to, yeah. the, <laughs> to the needs of <laughs> others. <gasps> oh, oh, I'm a sensitive soul. Shit. <laughs> But so so Sebastian's all excited. He flies up to address her as like my lady, and then while he's doing this, he spies her birthmark on her foot, and then rush that, that birthmark that wasn't relevant for most of the movie. Yeah, the birthmark that wasn't relevant, and by the way, it changed positions. It was <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Ooh, shit. Yeah, it was it was facing the opposite way when she was a baby. But anyways. <laughs> But Sebastian, That's what birthmarks do. Yeah, they, they just, just rotate as you get older. Yeah, but Sebastian rushes off to check his notes, where he confirms that the birthmark proves that Daria is not only a true princess, but the quote, the true princess. And at this moment, Laird busts in, having you know, it's again, it's that painting with the eyes behind the wall. Yeah, <laughs> he busts in, having overheard everything. He subdues Sebastian, and then he sets off to go capture Daria. So yeah, I guess the big the big thing about that, as you as you noted, nobody noticed that Hildegard was missing the birthmark prior to this. Apparently, no one. Maybe in these times, no one ever saw her barefoot for eighteen years. But like, except for like her mom. Helsa. I guess. Like, that's like the only, but then it didn't seem, but if, okay. Because, <laughs> here's the thing is that pe- people like, it doesn't seem like the birthmark is com- common knowledge, or at least that's the vibe I get. Yeah. Because even Sebastian was like, oh, wait a minute, I gotta check my notes about this, because I like, it's like he remembers it, but he's gotta go confirm, oh, right, there was a birthmark that nobody noticed. So yeah, I guess Helsa, I guess Sebastian just wrote it down, didn't tell any about anyone about it. Nobody noticed because Helsa was taking care of the baby? Maybe, yeah, maybe, because it's it's him and Sasha in the room? Yeah, Sasha. When he's doing the the whole thing, she's giving the, the baby a bath. Yeah. So maybe he just never told the king, and the king never knew. <laughs> yeah, I guess Heath never noticed it. I guess. <sighs> I mean, like to be uh, fair, 
it's not clear exactly how much time passes between when um when baby Daria is born and when Helsa arrives. So maybe it was like a very short window that they had the real baby that nobody noticed the birthmark, I guess. Maybe. 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 But yeah, this is just a weird part to the story where at no up until this point there's been no reason for the heroes to question that Hildegard isn't the true princess. It's just that yeah. she's just a it's dick. Not- they weren't searching for the true princess or something. Yeah. It's just like... It's, I, yeah. There should have been a moment where it was called into question or, like, somebody sees, like, Daria's baby blanket and they go, how do you have this? And she's like, I've had it since I was born. And then it starts, like, you know, people start, like, questioning it. Yeah, like, there there could have been some kind of anything to lead up to this revelation that it's like oh they did the baby switch yeah or or even someone being like i don't know how she could be your your kind and beautiful wife's daughter yeah something like that like anything yeah something to like just again just plant the seed of doubt in people's minds because it's super obvious to obviously the audience who saw it happen but also the audience taking note of character designs and stuff like that is like yeah this i mean yeah come on yeah oh yeah everyone's dumb (laughs) (laughs) plot contrivances yeah basically (laughs) they happen yeah but so the marriage is just about to take place Daria's pigs end up helping to free Sebastian, and they carry him to the wedding so that he could stop it. So he shows up and he declares that Hildegard is an imposter. Hildegard reveals her foot, showing a birthmark. Um, there, there's, a, there's a little scene also where it's like Helsa's in there and she like drops a paintbrush yeah helsa drops and then she like kicks it under a table yeah so they so layered obviously just before this told them about the birthmark and and um that you know go go put the birthmark on hildegard just in case and so they did that and so hildegard reveals her foot showing the birthmark so everybody thinks that sebastian's full of shit because I guess yeah. <laughs> I guess now everybody knows about the birthmark. I don't know. It's I, I guess people didn't know about the birthmark because she's never been called on to show it before, but now that it's being used as concrete proof about who the real princess is, now everybody seems to be aware that she has it. And when you know, like, why why would they care if she has this birthmark or not? I don't. I don't know. It gets a, gets a little. It's, yeah. It gets a little, you know, a little confusing. But Rolo's dog licks Hildegard's foot and reveals that the birthmark was just painted on. <laughs> Good job, random dog. Yeah. Just kind of shows up throughout the movie. Yeah, his name is a Winthrop. I don't remember if. He... And he's a good boy. Yeah. I don't remember if he was named that early on in the film, but at this point, he was called Winthrop. And in this, like, scene. Winthrop. Yeah. But, so, after this dramatic unveiling of the fake birthmark, Laird reveals himself up on, like, a, a an overhang, and he shows that he's taken Daria hostage. And he's like... It's like a balcony over the, the, the ballroom that this has is happening in kind of thing. Yeah, that nobody else is on, including guards or anybody else watching the wedding. No, no. So... Don't be silly. <laughs> no. 
So, yeah, so Laird has Daria hostage, and he uses her as a human shield so that Helsa and Hildegard can kind of get out of the room and join him. Um, before leaving, Laird tries to kill Rollo with a chandelier, but Heath pushes him out of the way and gets completely flattened for it. Like, he is crushed. Yeah, he and it looked heavy. Yeah, like, you're like, oh, that man is dead. Yeah, or at least seriously injured. But, yeah. no, he's fine. <laughs> He's fine. Don't worry about it. He's good. So, Rolo follows Laird through some hidden passageways. There are some booby traps that he's laid, uh, that Laird has laid. Um, Rolo is just about to step on one, but Daria's pig, Fearless, accidentally sets everything off, rendering it all completely useless. Laird- Yeah, it's like the little little scaredy pig. Mm -hmm. It's like- he gets all freaked out and he starts running and he sets off all the movies. Yeah, traps. he's like just fast enough that he just manages. He triggers them, but he's able to get out of the way before anything happens. Not not by dodging, just by running yeah, real fast. Just by being scared shitless. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so. It's you know plot pig. Yeah, he did he did a good job. So Rolo and Laird have a sword fight, and Rolo has this this dramatic the moment where he starts trying to ream Laird out and he's got this little speech that he gives him. Nah, 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 Rollo. You think nobility means who you're born to. Maybe, but... Uh, that it means you can push people around or take their money. I know, but... You think kindness is a weakness. A small weakness. Well, you're wrong! I'm a wretched creature! Come and take me. <laughs> and in response, Laird pulls a trigger on another trap and buries Rollo under some rubble. <laughs> it is funny because he's very mincy. He's like, oh, oh, I'm a terrible person. Whatever shall I do? And as he's like reaching up with, because he's got like an axe or something. Yeah. Instead of, because, yeah, Rollo's got a sword and he's got an axe. He just hooks the axe on like a wall switch and just <laughs> buries him in rubble. Yeah. And then he's just like, <laughs> And then Rollo just kind of starts shaking it off because nobody who gets crushed in this movie stays crushed. Well, no. Crushing is temporary. That would have been, like, kind of an interesting ending to it, though, if Rollo just died. <laughs> he actually kills him. Like, oh, shit. Oh, I murdered a man. Well, oh, I've gone too far. Oh, oh, oh dear. Oh, well. Rollo is- or not Rollo. Laird is- he has a lot of fun expressions. Yeah. Just all through this movie. He's- He's he's a he's a fun little villain. Yeah, he's very stereotypical. He's the whole like, oh, he's a villainous man, so that means he must be fancy and effeminate and and care about his appearance and blah blah blah. And so there's problems with this character, but he's also like he's just fun to watch. Yeah, he he he's entertaining, and so I he's an entertaining yeah. villain. But so laird and hildegard kind of go one way with uh with daria in tow helsa tries to make it a different way we'll sh sh we'll get back to her later yeah she runs off with a leg of ham oh yeah oh yeah chased by dog i forgot i think she she like brought it with her from the wedding she's like i'll yeah. need this <laughs> she's just running away and rollo sets his dog on her yeah but so Rolo follows uh, Laird up outside to a tower, the same tower that Laird had his big dramatic moment on earlier. <laughs> and Hildegard is threatening to throw Daria off the tower. 
Rolo gets taken by surprise by Laird and is knocked down and is about to fall when Sebastian flies in. <laughs> he doesn't just get knocked down. He gets knocked through a metal grating. <laughs> the metal grating breaks at, at the force of the throw. And he's like hanging off of it. <laughs> Maybe it was like a really flimsy grating or wasn't installed like it was, properly. Maybe it was rusted yeah. and just repainted. It was, but it was, I laughed. Like I burst <laughs> out because I was just like, I thought he was going to hit that metal railing and just be like, oh, oof. Yeah. But no, he broke through that thing. <laughs> That's always a good, always a good sign when your dramatic moment brings you the giggles instead of like, ooh, yeah. I'm invested in this. <laughs> oh, boy. But anyway, <laughs> Sebastian yes. appears. So Sebastian just flies in and basically just gives Plague his comeuppance because Plague, Plague was trying to knock Rollo off. And it's just, I get. He, he flies in wearing a little bird suit of armor, which is pretty great. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Throughout the film, he references his great grandpa or his grandpa Iron Beak or something S- like that. Sto- he's like, what Stone would you beak. do? And he was a knight. Yeah. And- yeah, I guess his his grandpa was a knight in the army or something. I guess I don't know. Or it's a talking bird. Maybe he was like Shrug. the mascot of the army. How do you? Maybe. F- oh my god! How do you fly when you're wearing a suit of armor? I don't know, but he does it. He shows up with that suit of armor on. Oh, suddenly, it's I'm a powerful bird. Questioning everything about this movie. <laughs> The plot holes. They're so big. I am by a talking bird, but a talking bird wearing armor while flying? Nay, nay. <laughs> Unacceptable. Movie ruined. <laughs> but so after that, in a, in a shocking turn of events, Daria shoves Hildegard and then jumps up and knocks Laird off the tower into the moat below. And it's shocking because she actually, like, like she did she something. Does it. She did it for herself. It's weird. Like she took the initiative. It's an. It's like, wow. It's an hour and eighteen minutes in, but she did something. <laughs> we got we got six minutes left in this movie. Yeah, at most. Like the most the uh, otherwise the only other thing she did to influence the plot was helping Sasha home, but that was just like helping an old lady who sprained her ankle in the streets. Yeah. This, this was like she shoves her captors and then like kung fu kicks the other off of the well not qu- yeah. not quite kung fu kick but it was like a pretty like it was Well she's like swinging on a weather vane and she like spins around and kicks him right off. Yeah. Like, while her while her hands are are tied, she like jumps up, yeah. hooks herself on the weather vane so that she could swing around and use the momentum to kick Laird. And he, he tumbles off that tower into the moat. Yeah. And I was like, damn, she just killed a man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he, she didn't. Yeah. But he, he survives. But yeah, it's just like, oh shit. Like that's the main villain gets kicked by Daria. Like, yeah, it's, it's baffling. <laughs> In any other movie, this wouldn't be like so baffling. But just the fact that she actually did something after so long, it's just like, it's hard to comprehend. Yeah. <laughs> But so Daria ends up falling off the tower herself, but she's caught at the last second by Rolo, who is still dangling off the tower. And then it turns out the big heroes of the day, so that ever, the ones that come in to finish things off, are Daria's pigs, who yeah. who they all they do is like get close to Hildegard, who gets They rush Hildegard yeah. and she's like, Oh god, not pigs, and throws herself off the, the 
Oh, yeah, honestly. and she just falls in the, in the boat next to Laird, and then they she fa- she falls over the railings because she would rather fall than be touched by pigs. Yeah, and then they so they both she and Laird both get captured by the guards. Helsa ends up getting captured by Heath and another set of guards, and then Do- Rolo and Daria have a moment on the the tower. Then Daria reunites. She gets introduced to her father, who tells her, "You look, you so look like your mother." Daria responds that she wants to know all about her mom, which, of course, as we know, is that's Heath's one main goal in life is to just tell stories about his 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 dead wife. Yeah. So he- and it's to to contrast Hildegard being earlier like so stop telling me about my mom I, stop it yeah, I don't care I don't want to know nothing about mom yeah but so Heath tells her that he'll tell her everything after her wedding and and, and then they turn around and it's literally in the middle of the wedding <laughs> yeah they were just like in the aisle they just decided to have this conversation I guess yeah. But so they're so they're in the, the they're in the old ruins of the castle that they've somehow I guess restored the stained glass after the fire. Yeah, you know. There's some scaffolding around. Yeah, that's true. Rollo and Daria are getting married. Sebastian comments about how it looks to be the beginning of another golden age. Rollo is still in his regular fucking clothes. Even for the wedding that he wanted, he is still wearing his normal tunic. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they he, at least he cleaned it. They couldn't That's have fine. like recolored it so that it looked. <laughs> <sighs> to be fair, the king's also wearing the same thing he's been wearing since he was that... like for twenty years That's or something true. like that. Like D- Daria, at least gets a sweet like wedding dress. Yeah, because that's that's what really matters. That is what what counts. Mm-hmm. But so that's it. So that is the, that brings us to the end of the film, where the credits. F- yeah, it it ends as their wedding. They're like yeah. they're standing at the at the front of the wedding party, and then the movie ends. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. that's it. We did they it. Got married happily ever. Yeah, happened. and the the credits roll, and we get. I I love this particular touch is that we get the the uh, the award bait song where it's a redo yes. of the Kingdom of the Heart, but just more popish. In oh. my. It's great. Such a nice touch. It warmed my my dark cold heart. <laughs> that was like wonderful. That was like the last thing on the Disney like checklist. Have a ha- yeah. pop song, pop cover of one of our songs in the credits. Yeah. <laughs> have it have it professionally done by like a, a singer and like a proper <laughs> What what's the word I'm looking for? A proper mix. Yeah. Yeah. Or or more a more ah modern. Yeah, like one that's gonna be more publicly consumable. One you would play on the radio. Yeah. 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 But so that's it for the Princess and the P. What what did you think of this overall? You know, I 
overall, I enjoyed it. Like, I I had fun with Golden Films Beauty and the Beast because it was like, it was like a whoo boy kind of watch. Yeah. Like, that one was fun. This one, I, despite it's, it has a lot of flaws. It is not a great movie, but I enjoyed it. Like, I was like, if I had seen this when I was, uh, like, t- four years old, this would have gone in my in my movie rotation as a child. Yeah, I I agree. I really like this one as well. I think it. I I kind of think of this stuff sometimes as like an uncanny valley. So you you know how the uncanny valley relates to stuff like CGI. Yeah. And how, like, the closer you get to something that's more realistic, the fur- the more noticeable the errors are. I-, I like to think of quality as also falling on this Uncanny Valley scale, where this is, like, a fairly solid movie all around. But because, ah. because of that Uncanny Valley thing, it makes the flaws more noticeable. Yeah. It's like, it's... It's so close to being where it had to be, but because it didn't quite get there, the things that are not there or are not where they should be definitely stand out. Yeah. I I think for me, the biggest thing is Daria herself because she really, as for the person who the events of the film revolve around, she doesn't she is not involved in she has very little agency or or does anything really she's just like she's kind of pulled along into the plot and uh that's it yeah other than kicking laird off the tower at the end yeah. which was awesome <laughs> when i when i watched this with my my viewing group we kind of deemed her a football because she is <laughs> she is <laughs> integral absolutely integral to what's happening but yeah. she as you said she has no agency of her own she just kind of gets passed around from person to person and yeah, again, she just she doesn't further anything on her own on her own behalf. It's just other people are doing things. All the action is happening around her. Yeah, like she she like she has her I want song, and she's like I want to do the things and I want to go, but I'm just a poor pig farmer, so I'm just gonna stay here. And then she doesn't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> she's she has no she takes no steps to further her own journey. Yeah, and it's just such a shame because again, like this is a fairly solid movie all around. But because she is like I think again, that's like the, the biggest grievance I that I have is that I wish that she had more to do with the story. I wish that she saved herself, you know, like yeah, or had or like did something to really be like I'm going to take control of my life. Yeah, and especially with... Again, there were those plot threads with her baby blanket that you could have, like, somebody could have, like, brought her into the story earlier. Like, oh, you've got the baby blanket of the royal... the royal baby... the royal kingdom. Yeah, like, maybe she was using it as, like, 
a, a cloth sack to buy things at the at the store because she only has one piece of fabric and it's her her one blanket or something and someone sees it or she's like it could have come in somewhere could have had like a rapunzel thing where she goes into the city and sees the crest and looks at the crest on the blanket is like oh hmm. yeah or like hmm. rollo sees it and he's like oh i've seen that before and then like then you're then you're involving rollo and her and they have more time to get to know each other because they only really have that interaction that song basically yeah they have their one song well i guess it's sort of quasi montage because she's like i'll show you around these ruins and then it just sort of pan like pan fades and it's like time has passed yeah so maybe maybe they spent five days in those ruins just hanging out and talking and then finally she was like look at this cool place yeah yeah very possible <laughs> i mean probably not yeah but... yeah it does it does happen pretty quick i yeah that's uh, it's, it's... It's on par with like a with like a Disney sort of like scene scene for two seconds and now we're in love. Yeah, yeah. I saw you. <laughs> I walked with you once <laughs> upon a dream. We had one song and now we're in love. <laughs> very, very true. And I guess on that note, so I'll share with you um, in lieu of going over the voice actors for this one, like we did with uh, the Golden Tomb's Beauty and the Beast. Um, I wanted to go through just some brief notes with an interview I found with Mark Swan, who, of course, he was the director of the film. Right. Um, so this apparently is copy and pasted from something called the the Red Animation blog. It doesn't seem like this blog exists anymore. So this interview, and I guess interview, this alleged interview, is this badly formatted copy that I can I found on this the fan pop forums, but it had oh, okay. it had some interesting tidbits in it, so I, I do want to share it. Um, okay, so this is this is as far as we know, a real interview with Mark Swan. Yeah, yeah, and there's nothing in it that makes me think that it isn't fake, uh, that it isn't real. I mean, but I guess it is just good to mention that as far as we know, this is real. But you know, just in case. Yeah. But so it goes into some of the production stuff uh, regarding the film. So Forrest Baker, who was the owner of Feature Films for Families, approached Mark Swan about directing The Princess and the Pea. Uh, Forrest Baker is credited with coming up with the idea. Uh, he specifically wanted to do something like the the old Disney classics. So the mm. vibes that were the Disney vibes that we're getting were a hundred percent intentional. That makes sense. No one in Pannonia, so that's that Hungarian animation studio. Um, yeah, I was, I sorry, uh, from all the credits, I was looking through all the studios, and it looks like this was almost completely done animated in yeah. Hung Hungary. Yeah. Um, according to this interview, no one in Pannonia had worked on high-level theatrical animation. Um, huh. And yeah, that one kind of stuck out to me because... Again, they there was the prin the princess and the goblin, which I believe had a theatrical release. That one was released in 1991, so maybe at by maybe when they had started working on uh, Princess and the Pea, those people weren't there anymore. Or yeah, well, yeah, I guess it's like a <clears throat> like a decade between. Yeah. So, but I I guess we'll get into that in a little bit though when the production time of this started. But basically. 
Um, in the interview, Mark Swan suggests that, yeah, so people were, weren't quite prepared to do something on the level that they were wanting with the princess and the pea. Uh-huh. Um, and he noted that, so there, you noted the, the connection to Don Blue's Anastasia with the stained glass figures coming out and how that kind of resembles the Once Upon a December scene. Yeah. There's also a gag where Rolo, when he's trying to defend Daria from the bear, where he's trying to find his sword in the river, but he pulls out a fish. And if you remember, that is a... Hercules. Exactly. Um, oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. So Mark Swan notes that these two gags, um, he swears that they had already animated these sequences before both of those films were released. Huh. And what's curious about this to me is that Disney's Hercules came out in 1997. And Princess and the Pea came out in 2002. Which, Hmm. so for, so they, by the release, the 1997 release, they had already started animating things, but the film wasn't going to be released until five years later. I mean, depending on how the production went, I know I did notice there was several animation studios in there. Maybe it got kind of passed around. I don't. And it was in production hell for like five, maybe seven years or or i guess it would just it just took them that much longer because that like that uh, i that does seem like a long time for you eh when you i mean i guess i have never i feel like that's a long time to be in production but i i guess it's hard maybe i it's hard to say yeah considering it probably there's a few factors that go into it like the studio size so yeah it could have been studio size and different because i know i because I, it was an american hungary mm-hmm. collab so it could have been issues with time and yeah. communication and stuff like that so yeah that's it's that's true. it's entirely possible it was in production for a very long time that just seems like it seems like a long time to be doing that but yeah 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 there's, there's, there's a lot of factors that could have gone in. Mm-hmm. On the note of Daria, so the interviewer specifically asked Mark Swan, why didn't you give the heroine Daria a more important role in the story? And his response was, I suppose there would be two reasons for that. She was harder to animate and therefore more expensive. <laughs> 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 those those women folk always so hard to animate. I you know what I I have heard that that is a thing, but it's be I it's partially because they want to make sure that they are beautiful on every single frame of the of the it film. always got to look hot. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't you can't draw her weird and have her not look look gorgeous. Yeah. Um. Oh my god. Yeah. He and he says and he also he goes on to say, but mainly. And I think this happens even in the old Disney films, that the princess character seems to be the least interesting and entertaining, even though she is necessary to the story. We tried in the beginning to suggest that her character should be more spunky and forceful, but feature films for families wanted her to be sweet and innocent like Snow White and Cinderella, so that's the direction we went. Mmm, I see. Mm-hmm. Which I, I kind of call shenanigans on that, because... 
I think you can have somebody who is sweet and innocent, but they could also have a spunky side to them. Like, yeah, they could. They can be sweet and innocent, not a doormat. Yeah, like Snow White. Like she is sweet and innocent, but she also does shit like make fun of Grumpy to his face. Yeah, and, and takes over the dwarves' house and starts chastising them for not washing their hands. Like sh- yeah. she is definitely sweet and innocent, but she also has this assertive side to her, and that's yeah. You you, you can have more than one dimension to a to a sweet and innocent character. Yeah, exactly. But I guess feature films for families, the four Fs didn't didn't care for that. No. And uh, so the last thing I'll, I'll bring up about this interview is just this general question about, you know, what was what was Mark Swan's impression of the film? And he ended up talking about a, basically the what happened during production, which kind of revealed just some of the craziness they were dealing with. Um, oh, boy. He says that the manager of Pannonia said we had to start production quickly or we would lose many artists to other projects in Budapest. So we rushed into production without a finished script or storyboards. Oh, Boise. Sounds great. Yeah. Then what ha- mm. Then what happened was we were writing the script and then I was storyboarding by myself in the beginning until feature films for families allowed me to add extra storyboard bu- uh, help to the budget. Oh my god. Yeah, so they are doing that so to keep ahead they did that to keep ahead of the animators that needed work while tr- and he was also doing that while trying to direct at the same time. Ooh, boy. So that That's rough. Yeah, so th- I think that probably explains a lot of like the weirdness that we saw with like the pace and how some of the like those back and forth scenes in that yeah. They just kind of had to rush stuff out to get it into production. Otherwise, it sounds like they might not have been able to make the film at all. Yeah, it parts of this definitely feel like if they had had more time, they could have really like polished some of it up. But I guess they just hadn't. They literally there's no time. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of sounds like they were just told to go, go, go. And considering with that in mind, like this film is like pretty decent for what it went through. (laughs) Yeah, to give give credit where it's due. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is that is a wild oof. <laughs> I'm glad he was able to get storyboard help. Yeah, yeah. That's, oh thank God. Considering one person doing all the storyboards for a feature film and also trying to direct sounds like a nightmare and maybe this movie did take a decade to make. Yeah, it's he does say Oh boy. In spite of the hard parts, I have very fond memories of the production, and especially many Aww. of the fine people I got to meet and work with. That's nice. That's good to hear, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it was... It, you know, based on the interview, it seems like... And this is, again, something that we touched upon in the the, the Golden Films, Beauty and the Beast. I think for the most part, a lot of the times, pe- people don't set out to make a bad movie... No. And not that again, not I've... not that I'd say this was a bad movie, but just that sometimes you try your best and you just kind of like trip up at the finish line a little bit. Yeah, like they this movie feels like they were doing their 100% very best mm-hmm. and like they really cared about it. It's just time and money weren't on their side. Mm-hmm. Um 
because like if they had had another couple passes with the script if they'd had there's there's some animation that could have been a little smoothed out here and there like but for the most part it really does feel like they they really cared about getting this one done and out there and they they did the very best they could yeah i i think so yeah it it definitely like i said if this had come out when i was a little kid this would have gone into my movie rotation i would have watched oh absolutely if i if i had kids or if i ever have like nieces or nephews this would be a movie that i would be absolutely fine having them watch but um So after reading that interview, I was a little curious about feature films for families and Forrest Baker. Um, So I did just like a quick Google on it. And so I talked a bit about them briefly at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I'll I'll just kind of mention that upon Googling them and trying to find out more about them, um, I I found out that, so first off, they are no longer in business. Okay. Um, Unsurprising, but okay. Second off, it's possible they are no longer in business because uh, they got slapped by the federal regulators for with a hefty fine for making, quote, telephone calls to more than 99 million numbers on the national <gasps> do not call list. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> well. Mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they got fined for, yeah, so quote, engage, from engaging in deceptive and abusive telemarketing practices, <gasps> the courts imposed a 45.4 million fine. Oh. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah. The Department of Justice filed a civil complaint against the companies and its o- owner, Forrest S. Baker III, alleging widespread violations of the Federal Trade Commission and telemarketing rules in various campaigns to sell DVDs and movie tickets and solicit (laughs) charitable contributions. Oh my god. After an eight-day trial... After an eight-day trial in May 2016, a jury found the companies had committed more than 117 million known violations... (laughs) Of the telemarketing sales rule, including 99 million calls to phone numbers. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> what a- Wow. Apparently, oh. they- Apparently, they conducted a nationwide telephone campaign under the name Kids First, in which they offered to send two complimentary DVDs and requested feedback on whether the movie should be included on a list of recommended films. However, the telemarketers did not disclose that those who agreed to participate would later receive calls pitching DVD products by the companies. Oh my god. Yeah, so... so, Wow! Yeah, so... I don't, yeah, I guess. Mm. Yeah, so they're not around anymore, you say? No, no. And <laughs> yeah, and again, I don't I don't know exactly if this is why they're not around, but I would not be surprised. Wow. Well. <laughs> yeah. What a way to end. <laughs> yeah. End this episode on the princess and the pea. Yeah, telemarketing it, scams. Yeah, telemarketing scam. And also, uh, the last brief note, Forrest S. Baker, he did have a quick cameo in The Princess and the Pea. Oh? 
I don't know if you remember, there was a brief little scene before Rolo's wedding to Hildegard where there was a random little girl who was talking about how Rolo's in trouble. Oh, yeah, that was so weird because it was just out of nowhere. In the credits, there is a credits note for a Princess Sarah played by Sarah Baker. Oh. And the Count, presumably the guy with her, is... Forrest S. Baker, who was, of course, the family films for friendly people, whatever. Friendly freeple? <laughs> Friend, friendly fam- family, family friends for friendly people. Yes, freeple. thank you. <laughs> but he played, he played uh, the the Count. Wow, yeah. Because yeah. That, that scene was so weird, because it was just like, cut away to a random shot of a little princess girl and a man and they were walking and she was like Rolo's in trouble and I thought for a second that they were going to be like oh here's like a precocious little child to be like Rolo was at the beginning of the film and then it cuts away and they're never seen again (laughs) yep nope it turns out it was just a quick little cameo and it's a good thing they got it in there because they obviously are not going to have any opportunity (laughs) to to do for future cameos Wow. Ah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so incredible. Yeah. So I think that is that is it for the princess and the pea. Yeah. So we before we sign off here, I'll note that if uh, you have any suggestions for a future princess movie, or if you have any comments about the episodes, feel free to email me at badprincessmovies at gmail Yes. Uh, one such comment that we got, Brie, from our friend Steve. <gasps> hey, Steve. Who... <laughs> our friend Steve, who uh, listened to the Beauty and the Beast episode. And on the topic of the Beast giving Beauty's father the carriage, and we, we talked about, you know, why is he getting mad about getting uh, uh, the rose when he just gave the father a carriage. Right. Um, Steve says that he sides with the beast. You don't just pick a flower out of someone's garden. <laughs> I and mean, he, yeah, fair. He also says, he, he also figures that the beast was just loaning the carriage to him so he could get back into town. But then how he, was he supposed to return the carriage without returning his horse? Aha, uh-huh, Steve. Aha, uh-huh. uh-huh, Steve. <laughs> Steve says that dad got what was coming to him and he and he says this is the best part. If some millionaire in the mountains put me up for the night, then gave me a sports car to get back to town, I wouldn't assume I'd get to keep the car and I wouldn't take a towel on the way out. <laughs> I mean, you know what, Steve? Thank you for your for your comment. You're right. Yeah, you, they, you, you got know. a point, I guess. But also, <laughs> take the millionaire's towel. He's got a million towels. He can afford yeah, another towel. He, he probably wouldn't even notice it. You wouldn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> if the millionaire didn't see you take the towel, he probably wouldn't notice. No, absolutely not. So, Don't take all the towels, just one. Just one. Yeah. And and if the millionaire sees you take the towel and goes, now I'm going to kill you. Offer up one of your daughters in your stead. <laughs> It all worked out. <laughs> it all worked out. Yeah. Thanks for your comment, Steve. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for joining us. Yes, if you... Thanks for listening. 
Yeah. And if you want more Bad Princess movie content, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Bad Princess MOV. Do it. Do it. There's some mm-hmm. quality, quality, quality live tweets. Yeah. All right. So thank you guys once again. And we shall see you next time. See you next next time. The next episode of Bad Princess Movies, the podcast. (laughs) The podcast. (laughs) Yes, play us out, Brie. We need to get a theme song. (laughs) Please, someone make me a theme song. Preferably a remix of the bad song from Happily Ever After. That would be sweet. The end. (laughs) The end. (laughs) Ha ha ha!